This is Kai Stewart, reading bedtime stories for nobody. One. A niche in a granite cliff in the western mountains, where water trickles down the faces of the rocks and gathers into falls and pools where gravity and coherence allows. Farther up, wind brushes through the needles of the trees, and far away, the ocean fills up the sky. The curled tops of the new ferns are pale, bright, and tender, and guarded by fierce brown hairs that make them look older than they are. Water runs around the edge of the overhang, makes rivulets to either side and the rock inside the ledge is wet with spray, same as everything. Vivid green moss raises tiny flowers on stems the length and width of a cat's whisker. The air smells of cool minerals from the spray off the stones, and rich earth from the many generations that underpin us. Also, a faint, bready tang of pollen Everything is gray and green and sienna. The edges of the stone are cool and assertive under fingers and toes. Sun between branches warms some spots. Spray and wind cool the rest. Two. The quiet here is almost loud. Our sounds are eaten by the books and muttered over as by connoisseurs over a novel year. If I stay still for long enough, maybe I'll hear them open up. They hold their secrets very near, but preen that they should know so much. The chairs and carpets, although worn, were fashionable years ago. The height of modern wisdom living small now that the money's gone. The light is honeyed on the floors, and cream upon the walls, and paper, sugar in the dust that frost the shelves too high for me to clean. If I lived here a hundred years, I wouldn't know a third of what a thousand hands have bottled up and put away against the dark. Every time I come here, they've put up more fences, but the fences still don't go all the way around. They probably have cameras on the little building where most of the fences are. They probably see that people bring their dates up here, and that one of those people is me sometimes. I come here alone, too, to sit in the cold dirt where the cliff drops off and look out over the valley with all its constellations almost touchable. The stars pulse along their channels. I can almost see them move. The sky is dark this far up, and the trees and vines and the little building make heavy shadows. And when the moon is full, it lights up the chain link and the dirt and the scrubby grass. And out there, the stars fill up the holes. Four. 
There are two ringing tones that I can hear whenever I try. They're so high that hear is almost the wrong word, and I get dizzy when I listen to them too closely. They're almost more like a steady touch on the base of my skull. One of them, uh, the lower one, is more like a sound. It's more constant. The higher one flickers. I'm, I imagine sometimes that the flicker has a meaning that someone fluid in that language could read what happened backwards from what rang. In 1951, John Cage went into an anechoic chamber. It's a room. Uh, it's got padding on the walls, and the walls are different angles from each other. It's designed to absorb all the sounds in it, so it's very quiet. You're not supposed to be able to hear anything. When he came out, uh, he told the story and he wrote in his in his book that he was constantly telling it. Uh, he said he told the story that he said to the sound technician that he heard two sounds, one high, and one low. And the sound technician said, John Cage said, he said he was always telling people that the low sound was his blood rolling through his long caves, and the high sound was the flashing of his nerves. Five. One of my favorite places to spend a quiet hour is in the Barthens Caves. Hardly anyone goes down there. It used to be my job to feed them twice a day, daybreak and sunset, and they mostly sleep when they're not eating, or dig out their dens in the rocks, or sing to each other. Did you know they sing? It's not very often, but once or twice when I've been sitting down there for a while I've heard them. It's something to hear bouncing around the cave the smells of the sweet hay in their sour bodies. It's warm in the cave in the winter, from the bodies of so many families in their dens and the rocks. Did you know they dig in stories? A new family will start on the ground, and every year the kit gets bigger, and they move up a body length uh, from the last den and dig again. So adults might be 10 or 12 body lengths above the ground, or 5 or 10 of the next generation spread out below them. They always go down to the ground to hatch their eggs, though. The kids all get their own little room, a little higher every year. It's really something to see the oldest ones at the top of the stack of dens. And there's always somewhere perfect to sit, no matter how long my legs get. I bring a book and a flashlight sometimes. Other times I just go, when Levon and Sierra are being more bratty than usual, or after school, if school is hard that day. I like to see how old I'd be if I was a Barthen. And I like to hear the soft sounds of their digging and when they sing together. And the cave is nice, it's cool and wet in the summer. And it smells like rocks and the den smells sour and smoky. It always starts like their regular talking, like the coughing voices they use to talk to each other. And a couple of them will be coughing back and forth to each other, like, like they're arguing maybe, talking back and forth. And they do that for a while, and they get louder and faster, like they're getting madder at each other, maybe. Their voices are getting sharper and higher, and just as they start talking over each other, just when I couldn't tell their two voices apart anymore, they both slide up into singing, and when they sing it sounds all buzzy, like a duck call, but high, higher like a flute and slidey, kind of liquid. The notes are all moving around. They don't 
There's no distinct like boundary between the notes. And sometimes their two voices separate and do different things, but mostly they sing the same thing at the same time. I think they make it up together. I don't know how. I've heard them... I don't know how they sing the same thing at the same time. I've heard the Barthen sing three times, and it was different every time. They didn't repeat. So they must be making it up new every time. But I don't know how. Their voices make the cave ring with echoes, so when they're singing, it sounds like they're everywhere. All around me. Or like the cave was singing, too.